one of the most persistent questions of humanity has been this question of why am I here and what am I supposed to be doing? And it's a question that doesn't settle down very much until we get some level of answer to it. It's very little, very difficult to live without an answer to that question. It, it makes the moment seem somehow disconnected and, and pointless. And so for generations, including our generation, we ask the question, so why am I here? What am I supposed to do? I think what's interesting about that question is often we answer it with what we think are synonymous actions and activities which quite honestly are different. Today we're talking about the issue of calling. And often what we attempt to replace that is with is things like success or ambition or drive or cause. And so, so we latch on to things that we're, we're good at and, and we, we, we drive towards and we spend some time pursuing those. But the truth is, you can be wildly successful and not have any idea of what you're called to do and who you're called to be in life. I think it's one of the reasons why <clears throat> professional athletes can often have a difficult time leaving their sport because for a certain period of time, they have done something, pursued something, and been successful at something that they were quite good at. And their life became naturally, understandably, wrapped into that. And then it comes to an end, and, and you know, different ends, sometimes an unceremonious end with an injury or, you know, or being taken off the team against your will, or sometimes you just need to retire, like, like Brett Favre will retire some year, eventually. But I can understand why it would be difficult, because your life gets wrapped into that thing. And then for many athletes, what happens is then that thing that they've done so well ends, and then they go... What now? Absorbed in a pursuit that was that felt great and, and brought life to them for you know some twenty years or twenty five years, and then it's over. And now, what am I supposed to do with my life? I've been successful, but I have no idea what I'm called to be or what I'm called to do in life. Success and calling are not the same thing. Ambition and calling are not the same thing. Being committed to a cause and calling are not the same thing. This orange dentist ball will tell us exactly, exactly why that's so. Most of the time, this is how we see calling in our life. We're looking for it. We're looking for it out there and then, here it is. I found my calling. It was out there and I, no, that's not it. Oh, maybe this is it. I, yes. I found my calling. I will keep this and I will pursue this for five, six, ten, twenty years, but no, that's not it. We think somewhere our calling is out there that we have to find, that we initiate. The truth is, it's far more like this, Richard. Now throw it back. It squeaks too. That has nothing to do with the thing. Calling starts from outside ourselves. We don't initiate it, we're called. Calling starts from outside of you. It's not something you look around the world and, and find. Calling means you're engaged to something for which you were made, which begs all sorts of questions. Made by whom? And what do you mean, for which I was made? 
calling starts outside of you. Calling, quite honestly, starts in, in God and His eternal purposes for us. And it is God who's pitching the tennis ball to us. Calling is not nearly so much about finding it as it is engaging it once God places it before us. Every one of us is called. Every one of us has been created for specific purposes. And the issue will be, will we engage that or not? And today we want to explore that a little bit, as Steve said, through a story in the, the book of Exodus. Everybody knows Moses. Moses was written about in the book of Exodus and a little few other books. Exodus is the second book of the Bible. And it's the story of the Exodus, of, you know, the people of Israel being brought out of Egypt where they've been slaves for 400 years. And the story starts like this. It's, it says that, you know, God decided to bring his people out of, out of Egypt. And so he, he went to this guy named Moses. And Moses' life had been, shall we say, a roller coaster. You know, uh, had, uh, had to be abandoned by his mother because they were going to kill all Jewish babies in Egypt. And then he was raised as one of Pharaoh's sons and he grow, rose to great power. And then he, because he was really a Jew and though he was a ruler in Egypt, he saw how the Jews were being treated and they were, they were being treated as slaves. And at some, there was one day when it just rose up within him and he saw a slave being beaten and he killed the Egyptian soldier who was doing it and then fleed for his life. So Moses is one of those pictures of he had it all, and then he's got nothing. So he's wandering around the desert now. Really, literally, this is not figurative. He's wandering around the desert now, and it appears his life is over. And God comes to him, and he speaks to Moses, and he says, Moses, I got a really good idea. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go deliver all my people from Egypt. You know, that's why you killed that soldier. You, you know, your wrong, right track, wrong method is that I want my people to be released. And so I'm going to bring them out of Egypt. And Moses is thinking, this is a great idea, God. You, yes, get a people out of Egypt. That will be awesome. Thanks for telling me. And then God says at the end of this whole speech, and, and Moses, it's almost like this is an afterthought. Moses, I'm gonna, you're going to go there, and you're going to tell Pharaoh to let the people go. And Moses is like, are you, are you serious? And he starts asking questions of God. You know, and, and some of them are kind of interesting. At one point, you know, he's, he's throwing questions at God. Well, what about this? What about that? I mean, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm not strong enough. And then he goes, what if they ask me what your name is? And you're thinking, really? Moses, that's what you think they're going to do. You're going to come to this group of people and say, God is going to deliver. And they're going to go, what's his name? Bob. You know what he mean? What's your name? So God rolls his eyes and God says, okay. And he describes himself. It's really interesting. God, this is a whole other story. You know, God uses that moment of Moses' bizarre question of basically saying, it's not me. I'm all, I'm good with you saving the world, but not through me. I can't do it. See, I'm the problem, not the solution. And so he says, I don't, I don't even know your name, you know, so obviously I can't do this. And God uses that moment to tell, it's great first, he says, tell them I am that I am, from which we get the word Yahweh. I am that I am. I am the self-existent one who has always been and always will be. I am that I am. And then after... God goes on to describe to Moses how he will, in fact, deliver the people through him. Moses remains singularly unconvinced. And this is what he says back to God in just one verse we're going to read. Moses answered, What if they don't believe me? Or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you. What if they say, You're not called to do this, Moses. Not you. 
great idea, us being delivered from Egypt, but not you. God, it's not me. I'm afraid that if I engage what you're telling me I'm called to do, that I will significantly fail you. And everybody's going to know it. I'm not fooling anybody. They're going to say, you haven't heard from God. God has not called you to this Moses. Moses had a calling. God had put the ball in his court. And Moses didn't want any part of it. He was called, but would he engage? That'll be the same question for you and I. We are called, but will we engage in that calling? You see, I I know you're called. I know that there is a calling that's been placed on your life because throughout the whole record of the Bible, God continues to to make these real, real pointed statements about his calling to individual people. And one of them happens in, I, I could show you many, but just, just one of them happens in a book called uh, Ephesians. And Ephesians is a book in the New Testament, which is written for a guy named Paul, who was one of the early church leaders, to a church at Ephesus. And this is what he says, after talking about how God had called people to himself to be in a relationship, he says this, for you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. We often think that calling is about finding the right vocation. We often think that calling is, I just need to discover what I'm good at and then go do that, and that's my calling. Now, I don't disparage the idea of knowing what you're good at. I I encourage you to try to do things you're good at and not things you're bad at. That only makes good sense. I, like Steve, have, have sort of that same view of parenting, help your kids discover what they're good at. But... Being good at something and getting a job that you like or love is not the same thing as calling. Calling is believing this, that God has shaped you for the moment at which you now stand. That your past, the past that sticks to you, will not debilitate you from being a part of making an impact in the world. You see, every single one of us deals with regrets. I, I you know, I, the, the no regrets campaign, that t-shirt, that's just, uh, me to me, it's crazy. I don't regret anything, really. I, I, I just, every one of us can look back at our lives and the past that sticks to us. And we can see the things that have been done to us. We can look at those failed relationships. We can look at just some of the catastrophic things that we've done that have caused harm in our life and other people's lives. We can, we can look at the words that were spoken to us. We can look at how we were parented or how we parent. We can look at failed marriages and failed relationships. And the past can stick to us to the point where we go, not me almost doesn't matter what you're asking me to do. Not me. As Moses is sort of famed to say and paraphrase, here I am, Lord, send my brother. He'll be much better. What if 
What if the past that sticks to you was not an accident? What if the things that we've left in our wake were actually ways that God was shaping us into his workmanship, fit for the moments before us? What if my failures don't define me as a failure, but what if my failures are moments that God uses to create me as I am to be not the problem, but part of the solution? That appears to be quite clearly what God says in that passage. For you are God's workmanship, created, fashioned, shaped for the things that God calls you today. Calling is about living in this moment as a person who's connected to purposes far greater than ourselves out of exactly who God has made us to be and shaped us to be by the moments of our lives. See, I, I want to be really clear on this. This is going to sound like an aside, but I want to be really clear on this. I do not believe we ought to look at our lives and the things that have been done to us and the failures we have caused and say, oh yeah, that was God's plan for me to screw up royally. It was God's plan for me to hurt people that badly. It was God's plan for this catastrophe to happen. This was what God was doing because all those things show us the silver lining. If I believe that, then I believe this is God who's looking around going, yeah, I'm going to make them go through a divorce, and, but it'll, I'll, I'll work it out later. I don't believe that. That's not the teaching of the Bible. The teaching of the Bible is this, though. Those failures don't define us. God takes those broken pieces and he uses them to mold us. Nothing's wasted. Even the, even the paths that I've walked down wrong, it's not that they become somehow good, but God uses even those to reshape my soul, to make me even more fit for what's ahead. You see, there's, there's a story in, in the Old Testament, and this is another aside, and it's going to seem like an aside because it's an aside. There's a story in the Old Testament, and what I believe about Old Testament figures, a lot of times what happens when people study the Old Testament is they look at the characters of the Bible and they think, oh, these are my character studies, and I, I learn what I'm supposed to be like by modeling myself after them. The people in the Old Testament were a disaster. If you model your life after them, it's not going to go well. But what you see in the studies, in the people of the Bible, it's the character studies. You see God in the midst of these people's lives taken, even the things that have gone horribly wrong, and shaping them so that they can be used. And one of those stories is of a guy named Joseph. And Joseph was the quintessential irritating little brother. I mean, really, as you look at the early sections of this, he, he's, not, he's not a great guy. He's really kind of a brat. And you know how you say, you, you know, dad always loved you more and no that's never true it's true in this case his dad loved him more and told the others brothers that and so rather than him sort of burying that he told them that all the time too you know dad loves me more than you right and so shocking his brothers couldn't stand him and so one day they just got really irritated as he came out and they said let's off the boy and they ended up not deciding to off the boy they ended up deciding to sell him into slavery like that was better so they sell him into slavery. And now, years later, God uses what has happened to create great good. And this is the phrase he teaches Joseph. Joseph says this, what you intended for evil, God used for good. It doesn't say what you intended for evil is now a good thing. It doesn't say God was doing evil stuff because he likes to do that to shape our lives. It says, you meant this for evil. What you did was wrong. 
You could have crushed me by what you did. But God used it for good. To actually be part of the process by which the people of Israel would one day be rescued by another terribly flawed person, Moses. What if you lived your days believing that your past shaped who God made you for this moment? What if you believe that all those things actually made you more useful? Because the question resounds, there's lots of good things to be done in the world. I know some people are called, but me? God send them. God, according to the Bible, takes the pieces of your life and fashions you. I don't know all of your calling. I don't. I think we spend a lot of time thinking it's an orange ball out there somewhere that we have to go find. I do know two pieces of every one of your calling. And they are this. God calls you into a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. That is the story of the Bible. That is the movement of God through history is to call people to himself. And that's the wording that's used. God calls us to himself. That's part of your calling. Part of your calling is to walk with God through Jesus Christ. And if you don't do that, quite honestly, your life will always feel that bit of emptiness no matter how successful you are, no matter how much drive and ambition you have. And we'll talk about this more throughout the series. But the second part of your calling is this. Who you are has been shaped. Your past, your personality, your giftedness, your talents, your experiences, all of that has been shaped for the given moments you're at so that you can make a difference in the world around you. There's a passage in in, a, in the New Testament in, the, in a book called 1 Corinthians and Corinthians is, it, you know, it's, it's like Ephesians in the sense that it's written by the same guy, Paul, and he's writing to a church in Corinth and this is his first letter to them. And he, in this section, he's writing about giftedness. And this is what he, he says. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. The, the same one is, is pitching the ball. The same one is investing our lives. There are different kinds of service but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them and all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now to each one, you can put your name in there. Now to Bruce, the manifestation of God is given for the common good. Now in regard to Bruce, I am shaping him into my workmanship. For the good works I lay before him that will be for the good of humanity. That will change individual people's lives and sometimes whole communities' lives. What if you believe that today, in this moment, you were made exactly who you're supposed to be in order for what's ahead of you? If you'll follow on our, our Twitter feed over the next few weeks, we'll be exploring different questions about calling, and, and we'll be trying to help you to sort of understand how God is taking different parts of your story and making you into a certain person to do certain tasks that only you can do. And, you know, I can flip back through my story, and I only tell you some of this just as an example, but th I can flip back through my story and see how God used different pieces of my life in order to shape me into, and some of them were bad. I look at my, some of my experiences prior to becoming a follower of Christ and after where I was in very, very wayward. 
and, and I, I could easily look at those things and just write them off as simply bad experiences and bad judgment. And they were bad experiences and bad judgment. But I also see how God made me the sort of person that because of the things I've done and the places I've seen and what I've walked into, it's very difficult to shock me. And so if somebody comes and talks to me about their skepticism, their doubt, their fears, their, the things that they've done and thought, and most often I'm able to understand it and be not very judgmental, not because I'm not a judgmental person, because that's the experience. It's how God shaped me. I stand up as a, as a speaker, as somebody who preaches, not because when I was six years old I felt like I should go preach, but because they literally made me preach in seminary. I told them I would never need it. I don't need it. I'm an introvert. And you look at some of these, I, you really, I look at my own life and how God shapes the different pieces. I'm an introvert. This means introverts don't like standing in front of people. And I am, I still am an introvert. I still get energy by a smaller group of people. But God made me. I mean, they, well, my seminary made me take speak, public speaking. I didn't want to do it. And in the midst of that, God brought out something else that I didn't expect and I couldn't have planned for and, and called me to do that in various ways and, and times. I, you know, seven years ago, I felt led to go get my, my PhD in communication. I was going to do it in, in speaking because, <laughs> you know, then I realized, well, maybe that's what, you know, I'm supposed to do. And God used that to bring out a whole other part of my past and my passion and give me a, this, this, this passion for the visual and which, which fits within the world in which we live. And so I can now be at a place like Warehouse where art is a filter for pain and for beauty and, and, and really love that and appreciate that, even though I have no artistic talent myself. God just takes all these little events of our lives and he, you know, he takes a, a, a marriage to a, a woman who challenges me in places that if she was not there, I wouldn't be challenged in. And you and many others would be far the worse for it. And he gives us kids that, that bring out our, our best and, and our worst, but in the midst of all that, God shapes me and makes my story such as it is so that I, if I choose, can live as a called person. See, calling simply means this. You've been called into a relationship with God, and you, as you are, have been shaped and fit for the moment in which you now stand. For this day, Right now, you are God's workmanship, made to do things that no one else will be able to do. And the issue will not be, for most of us, what job should I be in? The issue will be, how am I supposed to live in the calling before me with my relationships at work, with the people that I meet on the street, how will I live as a called person in the midst of a city that's broken? In the midst of a world where tens of thousands of pe uh, people die as an earthquake, how do I live as a called person, as someone shaped to lead God's glory out into the midst of this world? That's the question. The discovery of our calling as we catch it sometimes requires a job change. But vocation and calling are not synonymous. Calling is living as somebody who has been moved to engage the world around them in specific ways 
exactly where they are. The question was this. What if I'm the problem? You're the solution. You have been shaped for this moment. The question will be, will we keep our ears and our eyes open and believe that God can use us, even us, in the moments that are before us? Let's pray. Lord, we're vividly aware that our past can stick to us and that our fears can define us. And yet you make this persistent movement throughout the Bible, and if we're paying attention in our lives to show us how you are shaping us and how you are making our heart and our soul something that is fit for the world around us. I pray for everyone in the room today that they would grab a strong sense that you have made us who you are and that you are shaping us into exactly who we're supposed to be for the moments before us. And as we do so, we will walk into the next step and into the next moment and into the next relationship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a couple of minutes, we are going to be baptizing a young woman named Mallory Nix. And before we do so...